If you grew up playing the Grand Theft Auto games on the PS2, the PS3, and I guess the PS4 doesn't really apply because it's basically the same game, 2021 and beyond can be very frustrating because when the hell are we ever going to get Grand Theft Auto 6? So because we can't look at that in the future, we've gone back to the past and recently talked about Grand Theft Auto Vice City. You know, we had that 80s vibe. Despite some faults, I really love my time with it, and so did most of us. But before that, we had actually reviewed Grand Theft Auto 3, so we thought, hey, why not actually bring that back to modern times now after talking about Grand Theft Auto Vice City and we'll be remixing this episode because you'll be getting two pieces of one pie. I, I don't even know if that makes sense, but I'm, I'm not re-recording this, people. So what's going to be happening is we're actually going to replay the original uh, episode that came out a couple of years ago where we talked about Grand Theft Auto 3, but along the way, we'll be making a stop and taking it to 2021, and we're going to be giving our updated impressions on a couple of things. And generally speaking... As I was playing uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, you know, I couldn't help but compare it to GTA 3. I think when you talk about 3, Vice City, San Andreas, it's it's not just a trilogy in the sense that they all came out in the same console in the case of the PS2, but also design-wise, they visually look very different. You know, San Andreas eventually did give us a couple of upgrades. It was definitely different in some respects, but I think in, in hindsight, we all see it as one package, right? When you go over to Grand Theft Thought of four on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. I mean, just visually, that game was so different, but it's set in a familiar location. And then when you head over to the PS3 still, because a lot of people still think that uh, Grand Theft Auto V was a PS4, Xbox One game, and technically it was, but hey, that also came out for the PS3 and all that stuff, which I think it's even a bigger reason as to why that PlayStation 2 generation is so special, because we got a trilogy of games that had a familiar gameplay mechanic, but the set piece, right? Like where we played, what we did, the character that we played as was very different in each one. Not just the time period, because hypothetically, uh, Vice City could be uh, the exact same game as GTA 3. I mean, if they did a bad job at really transporting us back in time, right? But that's where the music and the gameplay comes in. So after playing Vice City, is Grand Theft Auto 3 uh, still good? I think it is still awesome. But without further ado, let's unleash this uh, classic episode of A Cast of the Past. And along the way, we'll be making a stop. You'll be listening to that rewind track, letting you know, uh-oh, somebody's about to talk. And if we sound smoother or better now, then, hey, don't judge the previous version of ourselves. So enjoy the episode. Friends, welcome to another edition of A Cast to the Past. The podcast where we relive the awesome games, the movies that we've watched, the things that we've experienced throughout our childhood, throughout the past couple of years, talking about video games, movies, the world of professional wrestling, and we lay it all on the line right here to talk about one episode, one podcast, one discussion, one piece of entertainment for each and every one of you. You can expect to see a brand new episode each and every Sunday on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash a cast to the past, as well as on your favorite podcast app. 
up every two weeks. We put out the big episodes, the big meaty episodes, such as this one, because I think that everybody is going to be very excited to hear us talk about Grand Theft Auto 3. And in the weeks between, we have side conversations, which uh, as we close down the year, we're talking about the top things, some of our favorite things of 2018. My name is Juan Velas. I am from Puerto Rico. Joining me as always, we have Ryan McNulty from Boston, Massachusetts, Keith Poshik from London, Ontario. And I think that this may be the biggest episode or, or the biggest topic that we've had in the history of the podcast because we did talk about The Matrix, the 1999 movie, obviously a revolutionary movie, but the three of us are gamers. The three of us love the topic of, of video games and, and the involvement, I guess, of video games. And you can't talk about that without covering GTA 3, right? I mean, absolutely. Uh, it's one of the most influential games, um, especially in the world of 3D video games. And yeah, when you say biggest, it's definitely the biggest game we covered. The, the previous game we covered was A Link to the Past, which is a game some people can beat in a, a few hours. Whereas Grand Theft Auto 3, there, there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more depth to it, more kind of pieces to talk about. So uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, I have to agree. It's one of the biggest games ever, period. You can argue it. Quality-wise, we'll talk about it, but it is one of the most revolutionary games ever. Yeah, without a doubt. And for those who don't know, Grand Theft Auto 3 was originally released on October 22nd, 2001 for the PlayStation 2, and it came out the next year on May 2002 for the PC, which uh, that is the version that Keith and Ryan played while I stuck to the original PlayStation 2 version, which uh, isn't very beautiful, but we'll get to that eventually. And this game created a lot of controversy upon release because it's an M-rated game and it is the definition, especially at that point in time. Remember, we're going back to 2001. So think about all of the things after September 11. So, I mean, that really doesn't help the situation you have high levels of crime, people running over pedestrians, you have ladies doing a naughty things to other people, and then uh, this came out just two years after Grand Theft Auto 2, which was a top-down view game, and it had a similar structure, but obviously did not have the open-world nature as this game had. So this is the third entry in the series, and it showed the potential of what an open-world game could be. You had the mission-to-mission -mission things that you could do if you just wanted to experience that, but... You also had the sandbox type thing, right? If you just want to just drive around, you want to grab a taxi, you want to play good cop, bad cop, you want to grab a tank, turn on a couple of cheat codes, you can do that to gain the police's attention. And uh, it is a critically acclaimed game because as of this moment, if you go to Metacritic, it has a 93 out of 100. So needless to say, not only was it a controversial game, it was a pretty freaking big deal in the world of video games. So... That's why uh, Keith was actually the person that originally suggested this. And uh, when we talk about Grand Theft Auto 3, what did this mean for you guys dating all the way back to 2001? We're going back to the teenage years, people. Um, well, for me personally, Grand Theft Auto 3 was kind of a game that really captured my imagination because I, I played some you know games like mario 64 where you're kind of walking around a world and i played games like mario kart and um other type of racing games like cruising usa and i always loved in things like mario kart and those racing games and stuff kind of observing the, the like the set pieces but always being disappointed that i couldn't explore it so 
in my like before I had even known about the Grand Theft Auto series, I always wanted a game where I could run around, but then I could also go in a car and like drive around. So just having that dynamic, you know, like back then, most games were you're either walking around as like a character or you're stuck in a car the entire time. So the fact that there was this game that you could do both was to me one of the coolest things ever and just that freedom to be able to say hey you know i don't have to do this mission right now i can just go around and like have fun explore and run people over if i want to um just that kind of freedom and just that ability to switch between hey i'm driving around hey any car i see in the game guess what i can drive it I thought just that element was like what really captured me as a child. Plus, it was really one of the first real M-rated games where uh, even though there was M-rated games before it, it still felt very video gamey. Like, yes, there was violence, but it never really felt like real world violence. You uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 was one of the first games where you could like actually mow down people. And because of the way that the camera was set up in that third person view, it felt more realistic than other video games when it came to gore and violence. And that was just the beginning of it where you could do just things that, you know, it was really messed up. If you look back at it, the fact that you could like, oh, you could find a lady of the street and take her <laughs> in your car and then do things that might cost somebody money and then go run her over and get back that money. Like the fact that that was happening in 2001 compared to everything else was such an extraordinary leap as far as M rated video games go. And I think that's what, uh, what allured it, me to it as a kid. It's kind of like this. I can't have this. And I shouldn't have this, so that's why I want it. And it was just this, it was incredible. Me and my friends used to like gather around and play it all the time. But it was really that first game that had real world violence. Because the Grand Theft Autos before it kind of had that. But because you had that top down arcadey view, it was different. Where just the, the change in camera and the perspective just being closer and behind the back and made it feel a ton more realistic. Yeah, I mean, GTA 2 and GTA 1, and I know there was like a London game as well. Yeah, London. It's that I don't think there's any other game where like the move from 2D to 3D like made it infinitely more interesting and playable like you know 2d mario is great 2d zelda is great 2d gta eh, it's not that great the second it's you, bad the second it's you put that exact yeah, yeah, you, the me. second you put that exact same structure because those games very much had a similar structure you could go in any car you took missions when you wanted the second you put it in 3d it's a total game changer it's so much better because everything from the game cover, I remember I would always see the cover for GTA 2, and it was very uninteresting for me. I looked at the back of the box, I'm like, the car, like you're seeing it from a top-down view. So I think, to Keith's point about the violence, the, the real-looking violence, because we had that leap from the PS1 to the PS2, it, it was like the perfect storm, right? So uh, once again, we're talking about 2001 for everybody watching and listening. If you have a particular uh, movie or video game that you think is is awesome from this year that at some point down the line we should talk about, definitely let us know. But we always have this this context piece to know about 
what other things came out in 2001. So we're going to be doing video games and then movies. So take it away, Mr. McNulty. All right. So in 2001, we had a lot of heavy hitters for video games. We had another controversial M-rated game, uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day. We also had Devil May Cry. We had Silent Hill 2, Halo Combat Evolved, and Super Smash Brothers Melee. So quite quite a collection there. A main event, because think about Super Smash Brothers Melee. People still play that to this day. It is still a it's tournament. It's still the competitive Smash Bros. Exactly. And then Silent Hill 2, that's one of your favorite games of all time, right? Yeah, and definitely uh, widely regarded as the best in the series. Uh, a phenomenal game. 2001 was a hell of a year for video games. People like to say 98 is one of the best years for games, but I think 2001 gives it a run for its money. Yeah, can't overlook Halo, which, you know, I mean, that's... Ah, you know that little that yeah, little shooter. That, you know... It's just a helmet. The Xbox, the Xbox is a success because of that game. You know, if it wasn't yes. for that game, who knows if Xbox would have been as successful as it was. And it's fascinating when you look at the graphical differences, especially... GTA 3 on the PS2 in comparison to Halo on the Xbox, you would think those are two completely different generations, but needless to say, an awesome year. So what about some of the movies? All right. So for movies in 2001, there was Shrek, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, Scary Movie 2, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, those little fantasy series, the Her- the Harold Potters, definitely not that, some of the most influential movies ever. The first movie yeah. of those series came out in, in within a month of each other. That is nuts. That, that is insane. That's uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. I never saw that in the movie theaters, but that was actually my first ever DVD movie that I rented. And it didn't work because DVD players sucked at that point. <laughs> not only were they super expensive, if they even had a tiny scratch, they would not work. And uh, you mentioned a movie game because Laura Croft, the Tomb Raider, at the very end of this podcast episode, we're going to be announcing the next movie that we're going to be watching at some point down the line to close out the year. And uh, thanks to everybody that voted on social media, a cast of the past on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. So without further ado, we actually have a review here or a snippet. This is written by Doug Perry. Uh, Keith, would you care to read just a a little bit of this? It's just a a contextual piece because remember, we're going back to play this now, but it is fascinating. And we do have a Discord channel. Keith was messaging us just looking back at old reviews. And it's truly fascinating to see people give it a, a high score for graphics, where for me, it's like, what? Are, are you kidding yeah. me? How can you give this game an over It's a very time rating? and place thing. Yeah. So yeah, uh, like you mentioned, this is a review from uh, Doug Perry at IGN. And he says that Grand Theft Auto 3 is a massive scale operation that just gets better and better as players dig into it. Even though it gets ridic- ridiculously difficult, try saying that one 10 times fast, at points. But that's the thing. It does get difficult, but the multitude of reasons to keep playing to feel utterly engaged, perhaps should I say even addicted, is so powerful that only sleep and my lovely wife could possibly get in the way of an overnighter with Grand Theft Auto 3. So needless to say, it's a a game that absorbed a lot of people's uh, lives. So with this, I think maybe the first thing we should get to is how did you guys feel about 
everything surrounding this release. Did you guys know about DT3 when it's going to be coming out? Were you interested or, or was it this thing that it just kind of came out? You heard about the controversy and that piqued your interest into playing it. To, for me, this was a game that was kind of like one of those schoolyard discoveries for me back in the day where I had a friend whose uh, mom bought him GTA 3 and kind of was like, you need to come over and try this. This is something really special. So a bunch of us went over to his house one day. He's like, check out, check this out, put in the tank code, spawned a tank and just went around the Portland area blowing stuff up. And my little mind was blown like one of those cars getting taken out by a tank (laughs) such an incredible experience and then it just like was i need to play more of this and then would go over to my friend's house every day after school and then begged and pleaded for uh, ps2 for my parents and then when i tried to explain to them that there's this game where you beat up hookers and take their money they're like absolutely not you're 11 years old you can't have this game (laughs) and then yeah, so it was I could only play it at friend's house and would go over to friend's house just to play GTA 3 and I was enthralled by it. Even though I sucked at the missions. Like there was a good point in my life where I would just go and replay the first island over and over and over cuz I couldn't do some of the uh, later missions and now that I look back I was like, "Wow, you sucked, kid." But I just <laughs> loved the game so much that I just needed all of it that I could consume. Looking back, I can understand why this game got such good scores at that time, just for how crazy of a leap it was as far as progression of video games go. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, like Keith, this was something that word of mouth I had heard about because, like I said, I knew nothing of the Grand Theft Auto series before this game, but there was a lot of my friends were talking about it. I don't think I had any of the new systems at the time. I didn't have a PS2 yet or a GameCube. Um, so I still had my like N64 and PS1. Um, so I, I hadn't yet had a chance to play it. So I had heard about it a lot. I remember specifically even watching an old episode, like, well, it wasn't old at the time, but watching The Daily Show. And it was Colin Hanks who was on for the movie. I think it was the movie Orange County coming out. And he stopped in the middle of the interview. He's like, what I've been doing, he's like, I've been playing this game called Grand Theft Auto 3. And he talked exactly what Keith mentioned about the whole thing with the hooker where, you know, you do your business and then you take her money or whatever. So for some reason, like everybody was so enthralled with that horrible act. But It's a mind-blowing yeah. thing that you could do that in a video game. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, you know how we eventually got to the mass effect controversy about like sex and violence in video games this was probably exhibit a the first one Mm -hmm, absolutely but yeah very much it's like i don't think the gta series was super well known until this game but once the great reviews came out and just people started playing it. It was just a really a big word of mouth thing. So it wasn't until the PC version came out later on, as you said, in the spring of 2002, that I was able to finally um, have my own copy of it. In my case, I believe, remember once again, I'm in Puerto Rico and I didn't have cable television at that point, or, or I had it maybe, but it wasn't nearly as accessible I had seen all the uh, all the commercials on, on local channels and things like that. And I was always just fascinated by, I remember they had like a, a shot of him walking towards the camera, things exploding in the background, kind of aching back to all these action movies. And I was like, whoa, so you get to do that? Because I think that the real thing that stood out to me 
from the trailers and, and the reviews that He's I would see that is... opera music. Yes, dude. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> I think the biggest thing that we got to give credit Rockstar for is the trailers. Even if you never played a GTA game, you say Vice City, you say San Andreas, you see GTA I mean, 3. I mean, to this day, Rockstar still nails those yeah, trailers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it was that expectation of if I buy this game, I can do what I want. It is, it is an empty box. It is an empty world that I'm the one that creates. I'm the one that makes the decisions. Now, we'll be talking about this. I don't think it's necessarily that open. But the fact of the matter is that as a kid in 2001, that was a big deal. And uh, Keith, I want to take it over to you right now because what is, what is an open world game in 2001? What is the actual gameplay? What is the, the groundwork that, that is GTA 3? I mean, kind of what we brought up before, it is find a car, hijack it, drive around, do whatever you need to do. Really, it's limitless where if you want to go drive down this highway and knock cars off the road, you can do it. If you want to go grab a pistol and shoot at people, you can do it. If you want to go and do missions for some of the mission uh, givers in that game, you can do it. It's really limitless and it's fun that you make like, yes, there is a story to this game. And yes, there is a progression to the game. But really what you do is what that game is. There's there's nothing that is holding your hand saying you need to go do this right now. It's very I'll get to it. And that's, I think, what made the world feel so big was the possibility inside of it, because looking back, it's tiny. But just for what it was at the time, it felt so big. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say there's a lot of like linear um, single player games out there. So at that time, so to have that ability to do whatever you want and you can't and also just there was for that time. I mean, just think about the detail, right? I mean, if you just want to go explore every nook and cranny, there's those hidden packages, which you actually get rewarded for finding them. And then also, guess what? You jump into a taxi. Hey, you can actually play. Crazy Taxi is in this game, basically. One of my favorite things about it. Yeah. you can, So, you can do taxi, police, ambulance, firefighter missions. Like, that's, that's a lot more detailed than you would think for a game at that time. And I mean, it's become a meme these days, but this really was one of the first games that if you could see it, you could go to it because a lot of the games, especially in the PS1 era, had these like beautiful drawn worlds, but there would always be invisible walls where you could only go to a certain point and then you're done. But really, the way that they built the world in GTA, there weren't any invisible walls. Yes, there were barricades, there were roadblocks, and there was like water to a point where if you just went there, you would die. But every part of the land, you could actually go to if you tried hard enough. Sometimes if you tried especially hard, you could go to places that you weren't supposed to. That was my favorite thing back in the day, especially with the cheat codes. I would get the tank. I would try to fly. I would be terrible at it, but we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But the big deal is that you mentioned that there is a story in the game, but it is truly secondary. All three of us completed the game, and uh, I remember, without going into too many spoilers, although, I mean, it's a game that came out in 2001, let's be real. Yeah, this the, is a deep dive. I think we can say whatever yeah, spoilers yeah, okay. we want. Fine, fine. But uh, going back to the, all the way at the end of the game, they they talk about this relationship that was being formed. I'm like, I had no point felt this connection. 
there yeah. were missions happening, but but there's nothing here. There's nothing. This is purely murdering people, driving around. The, this ain't working out. So I was uh, I always just found that funny. But what surprised you going back to this game? You played it back in 2002 in your guys' case, maybe a couple of years ago as well. You've played other GTAs, you know, and up until San Andreas, they all kind of have the same type of a gameplay style. Is there anything that you went going, okay, I'm expecting this, and it kind of took you for for surprise um yes but none of those surprises were positive ones to be honest where i was really taken aback by the lack of story in this game because i remember some of these characters uh very well but going back and looking at it it's like well you didn't really have much if any character development and all of these uh things are just happening in weird bullet point forms so that uh, that caught me off guard a little bit. That and the mission structure, where even though there were missions, I don't think Rockstar had figured out good mission structure at this point. Yeah, I was very much aware of that the missions were a lot kind of like one segment kind of shorter missions in this game. I know they've expanded on that much more in later games. Um, what honestly surprised me the most was just how short the game feels. Like if you just, if you just barrel through the main story missions, you can complete this game pretty damn fast. And I was really shocked at like how few total missions there were in the game compared to a lot of later games uh, that definitely surprised me the most also just how um not handholdy the game is on certain missions as far as like where to go True. like the yeah. mini map like sometimes you have to like drive around to kind of find where the blips are on the map they're not automatically on we'll get the to map. that mission oh my god yeah yeah i think <laughs> well, we know not only that <laughs> yeah but like the fact there is no map in that game minus the mini map there i remember or i have distinct memories of like keeping that map uh, yes, that came in the instruction same. booklet and now i understand why because it's not in that game anywhere yeah Hey folks, present day Keith here. I just wanted to take a quick pause because, you know, having recently played Vice City, honestly, minus two little changes that made a world difference, you could pretty much say the same thing about that game still, but it really hits home how much the cell phone and the minimap added to that game, right? Because think about Vice City and entries into the GTA franchise that came after it. If you didn't have those conversations that the cell phone enabled in between missions, most of the complaints that I just said about GTA 3 I think would still exist. And just having the ability to open the mini-map and um, see where you're going, and even though you know you still have to drive and maneuver around the city and get to know it a bit, just having that in the corner so you're not sitting there with a very strict time limit lost like oh uh, do i go left or right i don't know it just added so much to that game and uh, vice city and the games that came after it that's all let's get back to the episode i i definitely like miss that because uh i remember just playing vice city and I, vice city i believe has the in-game map so yep. I just kind of believed that like there was a map in this game too. But like, like you said, I had like the actual manual itself, like with the map that I would look at for help because yeah, you, you go to the pause menu, 
There's no map there. There's nothing. So you guys mentioned the mission structure. I think that's maybe the the main thing we should actually start with because eventually what happens is there's an initial cutscene, the main character, which we don't even know the name till games later, right? Uh, he He's escaping. They go to a hideout. And then pretty much after that, it is very much mission, mission. And, and as you go on, the this leads you to multiple islands. So there's three different islands in the game. And you can try to make your way to the other ones earlier you know, ahead of time. But there's a star rating and, and the cops don't like you. The cops don't like you a lot if you go to the other islands before you're does supposed to. Does that happen to. in this game? Yeah. Oh, it does? Okay. That I was wasn't what... sure if they had it when they introduced that. But I do remember um, a lot of people would always try and like, you get the tank, you put in the flying cheat, you put the turret like the other way, and then you yep. keep like shooting it until you fly over the gaps and the bridge and stuff. Everyone always wanted to get to the islands early. So what was your favorite kind of mission? You have your uh, escort missions. You have your uh, racing missions, which are more side quests. There are some that are shooting oriented. Which did really stuck out to you that you actually went and and thought this is actually good? I like it. For me, um, I think the ones that just kind of had a memorable moment to it. So, uh, a lot of these missions compared to it, like going back, it's like compared to newer games, most of these missions are not fun in comparison to a lot of the newer games. But (laughs) there are ones that I appreciate. I think some memorable ones, I think most of them are kind of like the first island stuff. Like there's the one dead skunk in the trunk. The fact that when you go and pick up the car, you're supposed to take it to the crusher because there's a body in the back. Well, when the, you know, the rest of the Ferrelli brothers or whatever are angry at you, they start ramming your car. And eventually, most of the time, the back lid of like your trunk is going to like fly off and you're actually going to see the body like in the car. So that's a nice little thing that, you know, nice little detail that I feel like makes a mission memorable. Another one is there's the guy who's like eating at St. Mark's Bistro and you have to take his car, put a bomb in it and then drive it back without damaging it so that when he goes back in he blows up so it's one of those things where it's kind of has like the funny moment that goes along with it those are the ones i appreciate because most of the time a lot of these missions can be very annoying and frustrating absolutely especially anything that has a timer a ridiculously strict timer associated with it some of that stuff got very frustrated but i have to agree with ryan where it's more the moments in the mission than the actual mission type themselves like that mission for kenji where you break a guy out of a prison cell and you have to like blow up the back of the police station and then all of a sudden there's a hole in the world that one's pretty good uh i even though it's on the more difficult side i really enjoyed the mission grand theft arrow near the end of the game where you're like you start off at the airport then you have to fight your way back to the construction site And it's a nice mix of like gunplay and driving, because in my opinion, the missions that are just those two things uh, individually are some of the weakest missions in the game where you're just shooting people or just driving around. But when you blend them both together, it actually creates a pretty fun experience because you're getting a nice mix of everything that you can do in the game. One of my favorite things about it is you get a lot of missions where it's basically kill this person. Uh, I forget the name, but there's one of the missions where you got to get a guy out of the casino. You start chasing him. And then the first time I, I fail, but I thought to myself, wait a minute. So he drives down this path. What if I block 
the path off with cars. Does the AI re- react any differently? So I just grab my bazooka. The guy starts driving off, and in like two seconds, I actually blow his car up. So when you talk about open world and and sandbox, I think it's uh it's our instinct to do the to do the obvious thing. There was another mission where you got to steal a car and then uh, you got to blow it up and then a bunch of people come over and then you got to kill all of them, right? So the obvious thing is, well, you shoot everybody, but you die in like three hits in this game. So I just got the biggest freaking vehicle I could and I parked it outside and then I did that. So the moment everybody just showed up, I beat the mission in like three seconds. So throughout the rest of the game, I challenged myself to think outside the box. The game wants me to do this, how can I do that just a little bit differently to see if it works? And most of the times it did. And and I like that. It gives me the option as the silent character because the character doesn't talk. So for me, it's I'm the one doing this. I'm the one doing the actions. What would I do that would be just kind of fun for me? Yeah, I feel like a lot of the these missions in this game are so BS that like you don't feel guilty cheesing it. And it kind of... It's similar to like a game like Breath of the Wild, you're rewarded for for being creative and how you solve some of these missions. And a lot of these, there's a very direct way to do it. But like you said, Juan, you can definitely get creative, go outside of the box and figure out other ways to, to solve these missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, people might not agree with this, but I feel like this game is built with cheats in mind, especially like the weapons cheats and stuff like that, where you can just kind of screw around like, oh, okay, I'm having trouble with this. I'm machine. seeing you Ryan's know I'm gonna, right now. I'm going to get a rocket launcher so and just take cheats? care of this. Let, let's let's who used cheats? Maybe I didn't use me. Wow. <laughs> I was totally <laughs> cheat free. I am com- I'm gonna I'm say, against cheats, but I'm gonna say that I had I did put restrictions on myself. Like one cheat I never used was the reduce cops code. That I thought that was just like straight cheat. But, but if I needed armor and didn't want to go find it, I would just type in the armor cheat, and then I wouldn't do it mid mission. Like I wouldn't try to cheese my way health wise. Or I eventually got so frustrated with the shooting on the PC that I said, "The hell with it! I just want a rocket launcher." Uh, so uh, well, okay. I will admit I used cheats, but I tried to have a little bit of honor. That's with it. fair. All right, here's here's where I'll own up on something. I didn't use any cheats, but. Given the given the PC version, there were times on shooting mission. So most of the time I used a controller, like a USB controller. But on certain things like where you have to protect eight ball when he's going onto the boat, I would switch to mouse controls because aiming is so much better with the mouse. So, oh God. That so mission. Those, were, those were times where I did switch to mouse controls. So I guess that's I didn't feel guilty at all, though, because the my like USB controller, this like it would like aim and it would move over like way too far and I could never like perfectly aim it. So it was mm-hmm. like impossible. So anything like that, like any sniper type mission, uh, I would use the mouse controls. So I, mm-hmm. I do want to say before we move away from missions that we should mention what missions were we stuck on back in the day and which ones were we stuck on this time around? So quick story here, because going into this game, I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but I tried like there was something about Kenji's missions and like I couldn't remember if I Mm -hmm. was stuck on them or what was happening with Kenji's missions. So I finally did them and like, oh, this isn't that bad. What the hell was I on about? Then all of a sudden I realized later on in the game that 
oh, you don't actually have to do them. Like, you can just skip in Kenji's entire storyline. Really? So, I felt real, yeah. Like, yeah. you can, you only have to do the first couple and then you go to that Donald Love mission where you kill Kenji and then you can just skip that entire thing. Oh, wow. I did them yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Then I realized like, oh, man, I could have saved myself some time here. So, a little ticked off about that. The the mission that I got stuck on the most, uh, there's two of them. There's the eight ball mm-hmm. mission. So for for anybody listening and watching that that doesn't know the mission, I, I guess for this one we do got to point out a little bit more about it. So it's a sniper mission. You this is a bomb the base act two, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you have to defend this person that's going to be boarding a ship so he can bomb it up. You grab a sniper rifle and you got to go to a pretty good spot. The problem is the moment that you start killing the first enemy, the guy automatically starts walking forward, even if there are enemies, which is like, dude, what the hell? Can you not wait five minutes for me to kill everybody? You have to do that. So I failed possibly seven times. Remember, I'm using the controller and then with mm-hmm. the D-pad, because the the analog stick is inverted, but the D-pad is not. I don't know why, but both are different. So the problem is I kept going back and forth, and I would always be missing the guy's head. I see mission failed, and here's the thing. This little video game does not have a mission retry button. Why? Nope. Mm-hmm. That is beyond me. So it's not even the mission that annoyed me. It's the process of, well, let me get a car again. I got to drive here and then I got to go here and I die again. I would literally almost throw the controller. I just shut the game off for a couple of days. I went back and then the other one. And I think we can all agree the espresso mission. Mm-hmm. This is torture in a video game. So for this Honestly, mission, what? I what? didn't have that hard of a time with it. What? Come on. Come it was on. easy. That was a, an infamous mission for me. So back in the day, there was two missions that I was stuck on for forever. They were Payday for Ray and they were Espresso to Go. So Payday for Ray, it was because I couldn't find that like second or third telephone ever because you'd go down that like um, there was like a kind of a a downslope and you would go down there and you're under a bridge and you're looking for the phone but no it's up above around so that tripped me up for the longest time for whatever reason so i stuck on that for forever i actually went on to beat vice city before i ever beat grand theft auto 3 (laughs) um so i finally came back so after i beat that then it was espresso to go where there are these coffee stands that are fronts for drugs and they are on all three islands and at this point in the game there's like two gangs on the first island that hate your ass like and the mafia they got shotguns so they will blow your ass up if you're if you're too close to them um so that mission i was stuck on for forever i felt so accomplished that i just barely beat it on my first try this time around i was like so proud of myself i was so proud of myself i didn't beat it on my first try when we announced that we were going to do this game, my immediate thought was, oh, God, espresso to go. I know I have to do that mission. <laughs> hey, everyone, this is present day Ryan checking in now. Espresso to go, I think, definitely still holds the title as one of the hardest GTA missions of all time. I don't think there was anything in Vice City that came close to the difficulty of a mission like Espresso to go. There were more difficult missions in Vice City than I remembered there being, but again, I don't think anything tops a lot of the difficult timed missions that they had in Grand Theft Auto 3. 
Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm with Juan where I had a lot of trouble with Bomb the Base Act 2. So much so that it actually made me change control schemes because I started Mouse the game controls. off. <laughs> yep, I started the game off using an Xbox One controller. I had to mod the PC version to get it working properly. Mm-hmm. But it was just so imprecise that I'm like, you know what? I don't want to use this controller anymore. So I switched to mouse and keyboard and played the rest of the game entirely with that. That was probably the mission that I struggled most on because it was mostly fighting against the controller but then came the mission sam at the end of the game where Mm -hmm. i got screwed by the game i almost i almost rage quit this game at that point because it gives you a very 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 fine window to go try and take out that airplane i figured out like oh okay you have to go to like the easiest way to do it is to go to the airport and try and catch it on the runway and blow it up there. Well, I was just driving along, going to the airport. Then all of a sudden, when I get to the bridge to get to Staten Island, ding, 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 ding. The bridge starts going up. And here I am with like a minute and a half before the damn plane lands because they give you no time on that mission. It's just sitting there. I have, there's no way to get around it. And I just have to wait for that damn bridge to come down and I ended up failing the mission for it and I oh god I was so mad I almost threw this game in the garbage that happened to me in the other mission the uh the escort mission where you got to take the guy to the airport where Mm -hmm. you have to go through the the subway which is ridiculous because I just be driving around just asking like okay so I'm assuming if I got to take him there they opened up something because in this mission you got to take the person to the airport but you can't take the bridge so I was wedging my car into the subway thinking, who programmed this level? Because the, the thing is, you want the car to not blow up. My The car, the first time, I may have that recorded, it literally blew up in front of the airport. I, I slightly tapped a, a police car. It set on fire. I left the car, but it killed the guy. And so he, I he was took just the subway yelling. as in like the underground tra- Yeah, like yeah, the, the underground train, route. The train yeah. or the tunnel underground? Yeah, the, the, the tunnel, the tunnel. Okay, like the highway tunnel underground. Wait, the highway tunnel under... Because there's a tunnel there's underground. Like a tunnel that yeah, that's all the, yeah, the, the underground Okay, because you say subway, I'm thinking like the train subway, like uh, an actual train. You didn't take well, I mean, that, It's, it's where the train tracks go? Wait. No, so, cause cause there's no what tunnel... I'm thinking of, there's no train tracks there. Yeah, there's like, you know, like a, an underground like highway. There's an no, underground highway no, I, in this I went, game. I went past trains. I went past trains. <laughs> there is an underground highway in this yeah, game, dude. I'm going to say that this one's on you. <laughs> we'll, we'll let people be the judge. I have video footage of me doing this on, mission. On the bridge, when you when between Shoreside Vale and Stanton Island, there's the bridge you go up, right? Well, yeah. like if you're on Shoreside going back, right, There's there's a bridge there. And then on both sides, there's these tunnels. No, it's an underground highway. No, I didn't. I didn't use that. I used the train. <laughs> oh my god! No wonder why oh, Espresso yeah. to Go killed you because that yeah. that tunnel helps a lot. Um, that's how it you really can get does. from Portland to Shoreside very quickly. Oh, because mm-hmm. well, <laughs> I used that and ended up having like three minutes to spare in that mission. So I was kind of sitting there wondering like, Oh, I wonder why these guys had such a problem with it. Just cause I had yeah. so much extra time with it. But that's and, the uh, cool thing about it though, because yeah. for me, I didn't know there was another option to me. Like that was the thing. So I had no point. The moment I identified that it's just, well, I, I guess I got to get good at it. 
Yeah, that that's tough. That made it a lot, that made it a lot harder. I'll say I'm with Keith though. Sam was a mission that tripped me up, but I was always taking the boat because they do let they do have a boat on the map for that Sam mission. You yeah. take a boat over to the run exactly where the runway is at the airport. Um, but what always tripped me up was I'd take out the guitar, cartel. I would I'd shoot the plane every single time, collect all the stuff. But then you have to like basically get the cops off your ass like the rest of the way back so before i was like okay i'll just go in the boat right away and just head back but the like the helicopter will like shoot the hell out of your boat and it blow it up if you're not fast enough so then i was like okay fine i'll grab a cartel car and i'll go the long way and then i got super close and my car blew up so eventually i did i I think actually take the boat back and like was able to dodge the the helicopter fire and then grab a car get to the pay and spray even though i was like really close to where you turned to the mission i wasn't taking any chances i was going right to that pay and spray so that was the one that took me the most tries like for this playthrough Mm mm-hmm it uh yeah i failed it my first time and then kind of realized like hey the mission doesn't fail the second that that plane hits the runway i'm going on the runway so then i just went there after getting screwed over by the bridge i went there and then like you're able to take out the uh, cartel members and then just wait for the plane and then shoot it down i found it to be a heck of a lot easier Wow. It, it always begs the question, when they make games like this that are open world, that are sandbox, I feel like before we hit the record button, I was going in thinking, if there's a mission, there's maybe one or two ways to do it. But you guys played a completely different game than the one that I did. We had the same missions, but it seems like I just wanted to make my life a living nightmare. So It helps me aware of the tunnel. Yeah, man. I, I don't know how you did some of those missions without that tunnel. Uh, it's pretty, Never, it's pretty critical in certain points. So the other thing I, I got to bring up. So there's the driving mechanics in the game, but the second mechanics are technically the shooting ones. And this game is awful. It has some mm-hmm. of the worst shooting yep. mechanics of any game. Even when you hold a sniper, even when you hold an assault rifle that you can aim down the sights, especially in the last mission, I was using a little bit of that, and it just never feels right. It it almost feels like a, an obstacle. So many times I died in this game, not by the lack of weapons, by the lack of armor, by the lack of knowing what to do. It was just that, hey, here's the guy, but because the camera's wrong, and then I can't automatically aim down to, to the left side, I got killed, and now I got to try all of this again. Was that frustrating for you guys or was it even something that you admitted to back in the day? Because I had this problem in 2001 as well. It is the reason why I chose the PC version of this game (laughs) because I remembered that you have full motion uh, with shooting and you don't have to worry about that auto target thing that the game does because I remember that being not good at all and you just reinforce that belief. But even then on the PC version, there are really weird limitations on the shooting in the game in a... I don't know exactly how to describe it, so I'll try my best, but it feels like even though you can shoot in any direction at any time, there's a giant invisible box around your character that 
you can only shoot as far as it would let you target with that uh, with that snap on thing. So even though uh, a guy is in the middle of your reticule with every gun but the M16, if he's out of that invisible invisible box, your bullets won't do any damage to the, to him. Mm-hmm. So it gets really frustrating with the later game guns because you can't move and shoot with anything but the Uzi. So if you're trying to shoot a guy that's just a little bit out of that box, you have to like sh- stop, shoot, move again, stop, shoot, then all of a sudden you're dead. The only thing that really works uh, is the M16 because it feels like because it was built for first person on the console, they don't have that invisible box limitation Especially if on you it. do the right click aiming, like you can yep. just wreck everything because that's what I was doing on the uh, the final mission. Um, yeah, the, the aiming's terrible. I was bouncing between the auto aim, like standard controller and the, the mouse controls when it kind of suited. If it was just kind of like some easy shooting, it wasn't anything crazy, like cartel members all like, you know, gas to the gills on with guns and stuff. Like <laughs> I, I, I would go to mouse controls, but yeah, controller for everything else. But man, is it terrible? Um, yeah, we talk about that mission, Grand Theft Arrow, like, that uh, the way they design that with the current with the mach- shooting mechanic in that game is just utter BS because like you turn a corner and you're just dead like because yeah. you don't have enough time to aim and stuff. It wasn't until like Grand Theft Auto 4 that they finally implemented like the whole cover system thing, which thank God they did because man. But I mean, even Vice City and San Andreas vastly improved to like being able to target easier. Um, yeah. This game, it's just absolutely brutal. And yeah, that mission Grand Theft Arrow and the construction park is like the prime example of how terrible it was. The, you can kind of sneak around by like going up some of the buildings a little bit and there's some armor and there's some guns up there to help you um but there's still a few people i was literally tossing grenades over the top to try and take some of these guys out or i would take i had a van um that i would drive up like the hill of the where the sand is or whatever i would literally jump up on top of the van and try and snipe some of the guys that i could see so it was just like any 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 corners you could cut to help you out at that mission because it's brutal even though I said that I like that mission, I will fully admit that I cheese the hell out of it. Yeah, where it's the only way I would you just can like complete it. I would just like sit at a corner and wait for like one of the enemy's arms to like sway into my range of motion with uh, the M16 and then like shoot his hand and kill him. Because yeah, like Ryan said, if you turn a corner, you're dead in a second. There's a lot of missions in that game, especially in the late game, where you have no reaction time. Like uh, on the last mission, I think I my first time I tried it, I died in like three seconds. I tried to run around the fountain and boom, dead. I think that it scales dramatically, not just with the shooting mechanics, but even with the driving, because I feel that the police, when you get two stars, they're like, dude, I'm just going to, I don't care if I die trying to cap, trying <laughs> yeah. to capture you. And a couple of times uh, I streamed this on, on, uh, on, on Twitch and I had to be yelling like, dude, what the hell? Like, th- this doesn't seem human. You know, the, the fact that you can have armor, there was a uh, one point and it was in that mission, the construction site where, where Asuka is, where I had a hundred armor, a hundred health. I'm like, I, I got this man. I got my assault rifle. What? I'm dead. I'm dead and I don't even know who killed me. And uh, it's purely because of the shooting mechanics 
It's the uh, the actual camera angle, which is fascinating, right? Because think about that. Mechanically speaking, the three of us used the same type of thing, a controller with two analog sticks with more or less the same amount of buttons. So GTA 5 and GTA 3 are capable of the exact same type of gameplay, which reminds you this is 2001. It's not up until Call of Duty Modern Warfare a couple of years later. It's not up until Halo in this same year, 2001, where games sort of really adapted proper movement and then the the camera angle. And then I mentioned the shooting mechanic. Talk to me a little bit about the driving, because I know that changes dramatically if you're using a taxi, if you're using uh, the, the Banshee, if you're using the tank. What, how did you guys feel about that? I mean, does does it change that much? Because I felt like the weight of all the cars was yeah, just... Yeah, they're all com- just paper. Yeah. <laughs> I was I forgot how ridiculous. I mean, if it's built in a way that it's easy to make turns and stuff like that. But my God, the fact that if your car flips over, that it instantly goes on fire and blows up really screws you over. Because I think later games, they kind of gave you a little bit more control of like, oh, you flipped over. You can kind of like will it back over the other way. Um, Mm -hmm. But this it's like, oh, there's this little like barricade thing on the on the ground. You hit it. Your car just does like 70 flips and you're like, what the hell just happened? Like every car. And it didn't matter if I was in a van and like a lot of times I ended up driving those stupid blista like soccer mom vans because they were just <laughs> there and like some other like car just some random like station wagon would hit me and I would flip and it's just like it didn't really respect the weights of the cars a lot respect of times. Respect the weight Ryan. Respect the weight. No they all felt like you were just hanging on for dear life at any given moment just ride that handbrake as much as you can. I probably like if there was a count, I probably tapped the handbrake button somewhere around 10,000 times during my playthrough in that because I would like basically be going at full speed and just like tap, 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 tap and hope to God I made it around that corner. And all of the cars felt like that. It didn't matter if you were driving a ballista, uh, wow, a ballista soccer mom van or uh, a Ferrari or the Cheetah or whatever they call it. Everything kind of felt the same. It was just a matter of how fast you were going versus how durable you were. Except for the exception of, or the exception of the ambulance where a gust of wind could blow that thing yeah. over, it felt like. But hey, you got the health. You got health if you went in it. The first sure. time, at least I because I didn't get any um, health upgrades because I totally forgot until like I was just about done with the game that hidden packages is how you get items at your base. Um, Were the, there health upgrades in that? There, I think you can. Oh, you might have to complete all the ambulance side missions to yeah, get. Yeah, I think thing. you have to complete yeah. like the I totally forgot for all health. of that, though. Otherwise, I would have done it early on but it wasn't until i was already almost done with the game and i was like screw it but i was like trying to be clever i was like you know what i'm gonna put an ambulance in my garage so i always have like a free heal but it only works once it only works the first time you get the ambulance so i was so disappointed Just go to the hospital and get the i know that's what up. i ended up always doing because i wasn't cheating or anything like that so i'd always have to <laughs> stop at the hospital to get health Oh, look at I you, for- fancy pants. And I totally so forgot I. where on, aside from the first island, I totally forgot where all the random like health pickups were until like much later. So I, at, in the second island, I was always going to the hospital because I forgot where the other ones were. I struggled with that and police stars where I, yeah. by the end of the game, I knew exactly where every like decrease wanted level star was, but it got rough at the early stages there. 
Yeah, there's some missions where I forgot that you can just paint the car, you know, to have that sort of go away. Just a, some basic mechanics that were super obvious to me back in the day, but it's not up until I realized, oh, I can go in here and repair my car. I can change the color, and that changes things a little bit. Um, something that I feel we got to get to as well is just how the game looks, because I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. If you look at Halo Combat Evolved, that came out on the Xbox same year, and, and the game holds up. I mean, yeah, there's like remasters for that. There's remasters for everything now, but even the original one looks good. In contrast, I remember 2001, I saw the trailer, which I mentioned, but at no point that I went, oh man, that Grand Theft Auto 3, the, the, those eyebrows, the eyebrows in this game. I feel like we could, we could do a podcast episode on just character eyebrows because they're like Wario, like Wario and Waluigi's mustache. <laughs> if they became eyebrows, that's what that's what that is in this game. And for me, and, for me, it's always the mittens. Every dude, uh, and all oh, the hands, yeah. everyone Holy who's crap. got the mittens. I couldn't help but laugh at that last mission cutscene where it's the slow motion punch with the mitten hand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, true story when I first played the game uh, on the PS2 like over, over 10 years ago at this point I thought that the characters were actually injured and had cast in their hands because remember like we're seeing <laughs> this a lot clearer ball. now uh, yeah only eight ball <laughs> yeah oh, oh, well yeah oh, only eight ball but remember we're playing this on LCD TVs but because you had it with a, a C, CRT TVs it didn't look as, as clean and clear but now that you see it, it's like dude holy crap and it's fascinating that in 2018, the Grand Theft Auto games are sometimes a staple or a benchmark for graphics, especially with GTA 5, came out on PS3, came out on PS4, came out on PC, there's mods, but you look at where everything kind of began when it came to 3D games, and it's like, oh man, uh, did that did that really uh, hamper your, your, your experience? Because I feel the game as a whole, it's really dark and... Maybe it's a, a stylistic choice, but I feel it's kind of uninspiring because I feel that uh, it tried to be realistic in a time when graphics were not really capable of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll ever win any awards for best graphics, but where I need to give it credit is the most graphics where where it makes or where it loses points in like beauty. There's just so much happening and really to build this giant world and make all three islands feel so different. I think that's where it deserves its uh, comeuppance. And even though there's a lot of browns, there's a lot of grays, uh, I did not like that motion blur thing that would happen. Oh, where I got rid of that immediately. Yeah, this I forgot about that and then had to turn it off where like your taillights would streak and stuff. That was, I don't know it's who terrible, thought that was yeah. a good idea. But just the fact that there was so much crammed in there, I think is worth it. And really, all the islands feel different. That's the thing that I would give compliments to the graphics about the most, where all three islands have their distinct feel, uh, especially uh, Staten Island. That would be my favorite one, or Staunton, or whatever their weird name for it was. Yeah. It just feels so much like Midtown New York. And in 2001, I think that's impressive. Like, yes, Halo looks way, way better than uh, Grand Theft Auto could ever dream of, Grand Theft Auto 3. But the fact that you could go everywhere that you see and it still hold up, I think that's where it deserves its points. Yeah, 
I, I don't think the graphics were ever something like, I mean, some people did praise the graphics, but I don't think they were ever the the top like they were not the game with the best graphics at the time as you said there were games like halo and i think like even the metal the metal gear solids at that time had like way better graphics the thing is when it when you make a big open world game you're gonna have to sacrifice some of the the level of detail on the graphics which is why i think a lot of the character like all the character models look like trash and even for ps2 standards i think a lot of the character models are definitely on the lower end um, but that's what you sacrifice to have a very vast game. And like uh, Keith said, each island very much does have its own unique feel to it. So I think they did a good job in, in just having, oh, there's different gangs in different areas. Um, so for its time, it feels like a, a, a living, breathing place. They've gone on to do so much more with that in the like in later installments. But this was a very impressive start to that. One of the biggest things that has become a, a Grand Theft Auto staple is when you drive, you're listening to music. And I think that before this, maybe you had your Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games. When you think about video games and soundtracks, that franchise, that series really is that, right? I think we listen to a lot of music today because of Tony Hawk, but I'd say secondary is maybe Grand Theft Auto 3 because... I forgot just how cool it is. I was listening to a lot of flashback uh, 95.6. That's the, the, the 80s pop music type of thing, which I mean, as Rush, somebody that's never the played. Yayo, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as, as somebody that's never played Vice City, I'm like, why am I listening to the, to the, the soundtrack for, there's a game based on this. I should, I should finally play a Vice City. So how important was the radio stations? And is there a particular radio station that you enjoyed? Uh, I liked, I too liked Flashback just because it basically lifted the entire Scarface soundtrack. So it had all <laughs> yeah, those, um, those kind of songs you're familiar with, um, like the, uh, push it to the limit or whatever. Like, you know, a lot of people know that one now. Um, but a lot of Grand Theft Auto three had a lot less famous songs, but a lot of that stuff ended up being pretty memorable, like game radio and stuff like that. Like a lot of people remember those songs. And of course, Chatterbox with Laszlo. Um, mm-hmm. I think the fact Laszlo has basically been in every single Grand Theft Auto game as, uh, you know, in one role or another as uh, on the radio stations. And I think the radio stations were the biggest part of just kind of adding more life to the world. It felt more like a real place, Liberty City, because of the radio stations. When you hear Donald Love talking, like making an announcement on Love Radio, and then you're doing missions for Donald Love. And then sometimes you'd hear like the announcements about like the bridge opening up or whatever. Um, So it really added this sense of life and that hey there's more going on outside of like the missions you're doing there's real people in this world and they're living in it and they're having hilarious conversations and you're hearing ammunitions commercials on the radio and stuff like that um so it was a great way for them to implement more sense of humor into it and just life overall I think you can credit the radio to the entire atmosphere of that game where if it did not have the radio in it, I think it would be way less successful than it actually was. I would go as far as saying that Laszlo is the only good character 
that Grand Theft Auto 3 developed that didn't need the help of a uh, a future entry in the game to help actually develop those characters. The the Chatterbox Station was just so good and some of those fake commercials like Pogo the Monkey. I mm-hmm. think they actually made like a Pogo the Monkey website that you yeah, can go on to. And same with like the Hip Hop Honeys on uh, Game Radio, which is probably a way different website today than it was back <laughs> then. But I listened to Game Radio the most just because I gravitate more towards like hip hop and rap music and it was a nice cool thing there where uh i never realized this until this playthrough but one of the djs on there uh lord seer is somebody that i listen to in satellite radio all the time so it's like holy crap they it's lord seer on here i never realized that i was because i used to love game radio that's all i would listen to when i was playing it back in the day and to have that like progression in my life was actually really cool are you gonna give it all that you got Oh, don't stop. Keep rising to the top, baby. (laughs) You mentioned something that's freaking amazing to think about. What would GTA 3 be like if you remove the the radio? If you just got in the car and it would be generic music, just generic rock, generic hip hop. I think you should go play Grand Theft Auto 2 and there's your answer. (laughs) Or the PC version actually let you have like a folder of custom music so you could put your own music in there but yeah like the whole sense of humor the commercials you hear like petsovernight.com and stuff like that uh, it just adds to that like quirkiness where it's like we're not just this it, it like it adds some levity to how dark the game is right so it has that dark that it's it's integral to the dark humor of gta because it makes it a world even the worst day possible, somebody's laughing, right? And I think that when we talk about video games, sometimes we focus on literally what you're doing with your controller, as in you're driving, right? But what are you doing when you're driving? You don't notice it. You take it for granted, right? You take the, the radio stations for granted. But talk, think about most of the conversations related to Grand Theft Auto. I think most of them are not about the missions or not about the characters or about, oh, I remember when I got in this car and I listened to this radio station. So... The things that you don't necessarily do in the game are just as important as every little other detail. So uh, just wanted to sort of bring that up a little bit. 2021 here, and I want to give uh, some reactions to this conversation about radio that I don't think we've really ever talked about on, on the podcast. And it really does validate the importance of having a really good, you know, carefully curated soundtrack. On the Xbox 360, and yes, this actually does tie into GTA 3, a lot of games had this feature about, hey, you can import and and create your own soundtrack, right? You, you put in the MP3s, and not all games, but some games had that on PS3. And even though that option was there, I never really cared for it too much because it's like, look, I need to make your game sound or look better or something. It's like, that's your job, right? I want to make sure that if I turn on the radio, it's what you think I should experience. Whereas if I'm putting in something, right, I'm creating my own experience, which in itself can be kind of cool. But overall, I really do think it takes away from the the creation experience of the game. And going back to Grand Theft Auto 3, as good as the soundtrack is, we got to talk about the psychological part of creating a soundtrack that really does make you feel like you are in Liberty City. When you're in a taxi cab, 
usually the taxi driver has a specific radio station or a CD, right? And more often than not, that takes you to where, you know, they're from and their culture. And I think the same thing applies to games like Grand Theft Auto and even, you know, like your Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and all that, where they got to psychologically really sell you into the experience, not just in how the character looks in the world and all that, but in an audio sense. Imagine that you're playing something like Grand Theft Auto, but you close your eyes, but you place your character in the middle of the street. You're hearing the cars, you're the, the honking of the horns, the characters talking. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm hearing this song in the background. Maybe this is Vice City, right? Or, hey, this person just threw a piece of paper at me. They told me to screw off. Oh, that's got to be Grand Theft Auto 3. This is a weird example, but I think you kind of know what I mean when it comes to the, the significance of radio and, and music and sound as a whole in games like Grand Theft Auto 3. So, do you think that Grand Theft Auto, for its uh, great things and its faults, does it hold up in 2018, 2019? Is it something that people should look back at despite the fact that we've gotten arguably better games from the same series? Does it hold up? Uh, I I would have to say no, but I, I think it's if you're someone who really loves the Grand Theft Auto series and you hadn't played this one, if you want to kind of see where it began then I would say, yes, go back and play it. But they've improved upon everything in this game so much in future installments that um, it doesn't hold up on certain things like the shooting and stuff. But I still enjoyed it. But if I had to be like, is it worth going back and playing In if you're not a hardcore fan of GTA? I would say no. You can play the newer games and you would probably enjoy it more and be less frustrated. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Ryan on that one where do I do I think it holds up? No. But would I recommend playing it? Yes, I would. In the way that I, w- I would recommend playing it, but don't finish it. Because you can probably get the game, especially when it's on sale, for like a cup of coffee these days. And it's worth at least seeing, especially if you're interested in any of the Grand Theft Auto games, where it started. But just be okay with the fact that I'm going to walk away from this when I get frustrated. You might make it to the end. It might be your cup of tea. But odds are you're probably going to hate the game way before that. And if you want to actually go back and see the best of GTA, I would maybe look into something like Vice City instead of Grand Theft Auto 3. 100%. I think that if you were to look back at any other Grand Theft Auto game from, let's say, the PS2 era. I know you guys played it on PC, but the PS2 trilogy is 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, although there, there's an asterisk because there is Liberty City Stories and Vice City Stories. Those were games. But those are PSP games. Yeah, PSP, but they're available on the PS2. I don't know if you know that. That's true. Yeah, I, so. I, did PSP I played games. both. I actually still have them. They're on that shelf behind me, actually. Hmm. Both Quick Liberty, City, Liberty Stories. City Stories. I never played it. Does, does it tie it in? Does it have a lot to yeah, do with you play three? as yeah. um You play as Tony Cipriani, I think his name is, yeah, who was Cipriani. the guy you did missions for in, in this game. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty fun from what I remember. Um, I think they obviously that they evolved the missions. You can actually ride motorcycles in the game. So I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I think Vice City Stories is even a little bit better than that. Um, but both of them are, are pretty darn good games. Um, 
So there's two things, if if I may, bring up that I wanted to before we kind of got off uh, of the game completely of uh, Grand Theft Auto 3. Yes. And the the first being that, we, you know, we talked about no map, but I have to say something that is lost in the newer games because they're so vast. I actually really appreciate the fact that by the end of the game, I knew my way around those islands. Like, it felt rewarding to know your way around as opposed to relying on the little GPS thing that just takes you around all these games. I don't know the Grand Theft Auto 5 map that well. I know it a little bit well. I, I don't really know the GTA 4 map that well um, and like Red Dead Redemption, stuff like that. But it really was rewarding to be like, oh, I know where I'm going. Like, I know how to get back to my safe house. I know how to get over to the hospital or whatever. Um, I did actually really appreciate that aspect of actually being able to know my way around. I agree with you near the end of the game, but it created such a huge barrier to entry that going back, I think it makes it hard. Like, yes, games have gotten easier in that regard, but I think that is a step forward because imagine going back now and trying to navigate your way through it. Like, yes, you figure it out, but there were points in Portland where I was just lost and frustrated just trying to find those uh, wanted uh like those wanted uh, decreasers. And mm -hmm. because I didn't have a map, I had no idea where I was going because at least with a map, you can like stop, look at it and at least make like a visual reminder to yourself like, okay, I'm here. I need to get there for it. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree. Not, not for the reasons that you may think because I played Breath of the Wild and my favorite thing about it is kind of just here's, here's a world, kind of just go do things. But this game doesn't take advantage of it up until missions like the espresso one. Maybe it's like the last third of the game because if you think if you think about most missions, unless you're doing the 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 racing ones, most of them are go here and do this. So the actual driving part is irrelevant because it's telling you where to go. Right? They could have had a scenario where it's like go here and and do multiple tiers. Once again, they did that towards the end of the game. I think if they were able to sort of bring that back to the beginning and have a fluidity to the world you're absolutely right even i'm thinking now it's like uh, i would go in the second island i would go i was make a left i would always make a right i had a routine almost like my character mm -hmm. had a routine and i don't think that would be there if there was a map and to your point as well think about the fact that we're talking about 2001 so let's say they wanted to be up with the times technologically speaking it's super normal nowadays to have your Google map or, or wave or anything out. But in 2001, I remember GPS is where the thing that you could rent for your car and they would be crazy expensive. So it kind of makes sense. Also, I think the fact that you have a mini map and not a big map is kind of like contradictory. You have a pager in this game. There's no way pagers. he's going to have a GPS. People. You <laughs> yeah, think let's, about it, let's it talk. Is. Yeah, exactly. There was a damn pager in this game, although it's only used like very sparingly. Um, okay, so... I'll just say it did feel good for, for me personally to like, it felt rewarding just to kind of know my way around because that's a feeling I basically hadn't felt since Vice City. Um, Cause even by San Andreas, the map had gotten significantly bigger. Second point, 
and this is something that followed through into Liberty City Stories 2, is how criminally underutilized Shoreside Vale is in this game. Oh, yes. It's it's so underutilized. Only one actual mission starts, besides the side mission, only one actual mission starts on the final island. The rest of them start at Stanton and have you go over to Shoreside. And like that happened and i was like surely liberty city stories will take more advantage of it they didn't really not really so i i didn't know if you guys felt the same way that they really did not utilize the last island very much i got really upset <laughs> with that because when they finally got to the to the missions where they made use of that my first thought was finally we're at the we're at the third island wait why am i going back now why is everything else happening in the second one but then i'm going over to the third one it almost felt like they had two islands planned out for the game. And then at some point during development, they're like, oh, well, if we only have two of them, there's no buildup to like a, a final area. But with the exception of that, it's a cool area. I, I really liked it. It's got a completely different format. It's good. It's got the urban setting as well. But I feel like they did nothing with it. Yeah, it felt very underutilized and kind of tacked on for all of those reasons. I'd Minus the airport area, I didn't really like Shoreside Vale, to be honest, for that reason, because you just feel like it's pointless to be over there. And it's very curvy and kind a of a lot of uh, hills. And yeah, it is a very tough map. I to like that the safe it. house. The safe house is a huge pain to get yeah, to. I think that's why I didn't and like it. The only time it's ever worth saving there, if you're doing just straight story missions, the only time it's ever worth saving there is f literally for the final mission. And that's the only yeah. time I did save there. Um, but there are some like cool aspects. Like there's the whole like dam and there's like a little park and stuff. And the airport's awesome. Yeah, the airport's really cool. I didn't explore it enough because, you know, due to time, I was just trying to get through the game as fast as possible. But I do think like I love kind of the residential aspect of it even if it is just kind of like one strip of houses um that it always disappointed me how few missions actually took place there yeah i agree wholeheartedly and i love how those houses most of them are related to missions that people are chasing you or you got to go there so even the little housing that there is is just cluttered with mafia and just terrible things <laughs> I believe this is something I did touch up a little bit in our Vice City episode, but map utilization was definitely a problem in GTA 3. As I said, Shoreside Vale barely used in Grand Theft Auto 3 aside from side missions and of course the final mission, but you never really start. There's no mission givers outside of the final mission at Shoreside Vale, and that always disappointed me, and I really hoped that they were going to redeem that with the PSP version Liberty City Stories, which was like a, a prequel to Grand Theft Auto 3, but they actually didn't do too much with Shoreside Vale either. So that always disappointed me. And of course, when Liberty City was done over again in Grand Theft Auto 4, there was no Shoreside Vale. Uh, so at the end of the day, it will always be one of the most underutilized areas in the Grand Theft Auto series. But looking at Vice City, that was a map that was extremely well utilized and maybe the it was a small map but a a densely packed map with something going on in each of the areas i felt like you got a fair enough amount of missions or things to do 
all over the map of Vice City. Maybe Prawn Island was slightly um, underutilized where you just had the movie studio there and then like one other mission there, but it was a pretty small island anyway. And hey, there there is a whole area to do missions there. So at the end of the day, uh, Vice City just used the map a lot better than most other GTA games. It's beautiful. Everything's so bad about GTA. Everything's terrible. Like, uh, uh, one thing that I saw is people would often uh, jump towards my car. If I was driving <laughs> down the street, they wouldn't jump away. They would jump to the car. I remember at one point mm -hmm. I ran to a, a red light for no reason. A pedestrian just jumped to my car, I guess, because it <laughs> detected that I was kind of moving and then slowing down. It just made no sense. So, glitches, man. There's yeah. glitches. Oh, I, I, I do have to bring up one more thing. I know I keep trailing on here, but so first, quick thing. Every first, I don't know if this is just a PC version, but or my computer or whatever. Every time I came out of the Stanton safe house and I like drove straight up, cars would always crash like outside on the street outside <laughs> my safe house. I never I ran into that. Yeah, I don't know why that always happened. But the thing I wanted to bring up that you didn't know about um, Juan was the place called the Ghost Town, which um, if so, you know, there's the cutscene at the beginning of the game where Catalina like betrays you. Yeah. So that's happening at a bank. That bank is not actually anywhere in the regular map of Liberty City. So what people used to do is they do that flying cheat and they'd either use a tank or they'd glitch a dodo somehow because you could actually fly the dodo with the flying cheat and you had to like nosedive and go up and down a bunch of times. But if you're at the airport and you go over the hills in Shoreside Vale, you will actually reach what's called the ghost town, which is basically huh. the set piece for the the bank heist part of the intro cutscene because the way that they do cutscenes, it always has to kind of have a, a physical space. Um, so most of the area is like not solid. You'll just fall through the floor if you land there. But there was like one like space or wherever that actually is solid. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So that's, that's cool. a cool little place um, that a lot of people like discovered back in the day and uh, glitched to. Um, so that was one of the cooler, cooler things out there. Didn't know about that. The question now, GTA 3, pretty cool game, especially back in the day when you found out that other games were going to be coming out after talking about your Vice City, then later on San Andreas, were you hooked into this like new game day went by? How was that hype level for, for games to come? I have beaten and or played and beaten every single GTA game that's come out since. I would say that GTA is one of my favorite series ever just because they keep getting better and better and better as they come out. Yeah, I mean, after that game, as Keith said, I'm in. I've played every single one. So, yeah, Vice City, San Andreas, the PSP ports to PS2. Uh, I yeah. guess I never beat Chinatown Wars, but oh, who counts Chi that? Yeah. You're right. I own it, though. I own it, but I never got that very was a, far. a DS game, right? Yeah, it's a, it's, yes. it's a DS game. That's the only one. But yeah, I, I love the series, too, uh, very much. And like whenever GTA 6 comes out, you know I'm getting it. And it's going to have a lot of GTA online, and it's going to make billions and billions of dollars. And uh, same here. I think that the only reason, and I believe I mentioned this when we first announced this episode, 
the reason that I didn't play Vice City was because I was hooked on playing other games like SOCOM and the wrestling game. So it wasn't that I wasn't interested. Number one, we were broke. We didn't have money for the game. So if you, if you can't buy it, I mean, that's as far as it goes. And then the second one, I was just stuck playing online games at that point. But I played every other game since then. Contrary to Keith, I haven't beaten any of them, but I played them. I've touched yeah, the games. Yeah, but you don't beat games. Hey, that's changed. I've completed it's eight games with this year. podcast. Nine. Yeah, I've changed. I've completed nine games in 2018, Keith. You Whew. are wrong. So, so the, the, there's that. And with that, let's talk about the legacy. I think that the reason why we decided to go with this episode is not just for, for what GTA 3 is, but what it really brought to the table because you think about open world games and I think it's impossible to not think about any kind of GTA game. We've gone games like Saints Row, which Keith and I have played Saints Row the Third. That's a game I beat Keith. So, ha. Huh. It's true. Saints Row the Third is <laughs> one of the best games ever made and we will cover it one day. Oh, we will definitely if I have get to, to that. Put both of these guys at gunpoint to do it. We will cover Saints Row, Saints Row 3 one day. We'll, we'll put Ryan at gunpoint because I'm sold on the idea, but that was an outrageous take it. on GTA. <laughs> and uh, we had Red Dead Redemption, especially the first one. You know, most recently we got the sequel, but the first one, there's a reason why many years later people were still clamoring for a sequel. And here you take the GTA 4 map, but you set it in a Western setting and then you change a couple of things. You had the Simpsons hit and run, which uh, I actually rented that a lot. And it's because like, hey, you have an open world Simpsons game and they allowed you to sort of actually see what the Simpsons world is like. You you had to drive around it, right? So they had to yeah, add some logic to Springfield it. Springfield for the first time in kind of this fully realized map. I didn't play that one enough. So maybe maybe we'll have to try that one someday. No, definitely. We had the Mafia game that came out just a year later. And uh, what do you think is the biggest thing that to this day in 2018, 20, whatever, what did GTA 3 bring to the table that whenever you play a game, you're like, yep, that GTA 3 started that or GTA 3 is where I was first uh, exposed to that. It's kind of a dark legacy, but I think the answer to that is M-rated violence, where its biggest legacy is kind of grounding violence in video games and making it more uh, real world, I guess, and not everything has to be crazy over the top and it led to the games like you mentioned mafia and the other gta games uh kind of breaking down those barriers and not everything has to be this crazy cartoonish outlandish scenario um i, I think the biggest thing they brought is really that formula of kind of seamlessly transitioning from on foot to in vehicle and just the way that they handled missions of you know missions being in physical locations that you went to when you wanted to do them and do them in sort of whatever order um the game allowed you so you could do missions for the same person over and over again or maybe it's like i'll do one of this guy's missions and then i'll do one of this this other guy's mission or whatever um so that freedom of having missions be in a physical space as well as the vehicles for me i think the biggest thing that it left is that it was a mainstream game that as keith mentioned it was ultra violent and i think it transcended gamers because we mentioned at the beginning of the show the fact that this game, you know, from parents to media outlets, everybody was was saying, let's ban video games. It wasn't just about M-rated games. It was about banning video games and banning violent games. But 
it also transcended to the people that, oh, so so video games aren't just this this cutesy thing, as Keith was mentioning. And it's not the first violent game that we've had, going all the way back to controversial controversial games like Night Trap, a Splatterhouse, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, especially when you could turn on the the blood code depending on on the console version. So this is not the first time that violence in a video game has happened, but it is the first time that in an upstarting console in a three D way from a franchise that previously existed that maybe some people have played your GTA one and two. You have you have more of a, a a bigger way of seeing. Oh, so this is what violence can look like now. And I think that with Saints Row and everything else, it gives you an idea of what can this look like years later. And we've seen that. You know, something that this game didn't have that GTA Five has is you want to play tennis, you go ahead and play your tennis, but you can still do pretty much everything else. With Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, the the biggest controversy, and who knows, maybe at some point we'll get to that. High coffee. It was a mod. It was technically mm-hmm. removed from the game, but you could game shark it in. So even though there was a lot of controversy in GTA 3 about realistically blowjobs, which is what it was, you would think that as a developer, at no point would they attempt to do that. So they went at some point, they said, you know what? Let's just go all the way. Let's just go all the way. They took it back, but they left the code in. And and even that had some implications down the line. Games like God of War showed nudity basically at the beginning of the game, right? And some of them. And I think that if GTA didn't take that big mainstream leap, video games would be very different, especially in the in the the ten years, the decade that came after GTA. Leisure suit Larry just couldn't get the job done. No man. <laughs> because even le- leisure suits uh, leisure suit Larry say that five times in a row. It was naughty, but it was cartoonish. And it yep. could get away with a lot Duke of stuff. Nukem. Dude Nukem, same thing. It was sprite based. Although although it was <laughs> those, more realistic. Those sprite but, boobs. Let me oh, let me tell you. <laughs> or I bet Ryan put th- put in that uh new Tomb Raider costume on a PC. Ryan seems like a guy that would do that. For what? In there there was Tomb one Raider. in to- I, I never even really played a Tomb Raider, to be honest with you. So You didn't have to play the game. we'll leave it at that we'll leave it at that (laughs) we're gonna close down the chapter in gta 3 personally i'm pretty happy with how the episode turned out i'm very happy i got a chance uh, to replay it are you guys happy that uh you relived gta 3 because we talked about whether it held up or not but were you happy you got your hands on it again yes Beating Espresso to go in one try, totally worth it. Um, no, it, it was a ton of fun just to to go through and um, just like it had been so long since I'd played it just to feel like, oh man, how, how things have really changed since mm-hmm. this game. Grand Theft Auto Vice City is one of my favorite games ever and playing this made me appreciate it more, just how much of a leap it is between GTA 3 and Vice City, and I appreciate it for that reason, and I was happy to go back. And if I never have to play some of those missions again, I'll be perfectly okay with that. Because <laughs> some of those... Mi- I am happy Rockstar figured out that, hey, maybe putting ridiculous timers on missions isn't good gameplay. Unless it's an RC vehicle (laughs) those missions were garbage too just wait for those in vice city and san andreas 
They're optional. So, yay. No, <laughs> I won't know. touch them. I don't know. What of the RC plane and helicopters? Those are not there was, optional. There were some uh, at the construction site for Avery, but I remember one of them being terrible. The one where you have to, like, plant the bombs, but whatever. I'll get through it. <laughs> eventually, eventually. But for everybody watching and listening, the reason that we chose GTA 3, it's because it's an early game for the PS2. It is a revolutionary game. So if there's any video game or movie in particular that you're like, man, I would love to get you guys to talk about that, whether we played them or not, because we are, uh, for the most part, talking about things that we've experienced. Maybe not necessarily completely, but we have. But we're not shy. We're not afraid of venturing into video games and movies that we've not necessarily touched because there's a bunch of stuff out there. But for what we do have lined up ahead Mr. McNulty, what are some of the upcoming episodes of a cast to the past, my friend? All righty. Well, we've got Home Alone coming up December 16th, oh! coming in right before the holidays. Uh, on December 23rd, it's going to be my opportunity to do a top three. Then, top three uh, what, you- Ryan? Top three, oh, top three picks of 2018, <laughs> sorry. My it's, been a long, it's been a long um, conversation. Uh, Apparently my brain is fried. I'm going to be doing my top three <laughs> picks of 2018. <laughs> I'm going to pick three things. You don't know what, I'm just going to talk about them. It could be a very dark conversation. My top three... Yeah, no. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gouda coming in at number two. Underwear brand. Number three, oh, Haynes. Number two, yeah. Fruit of the Loom. Number hey, one, It's what all is about it? uh, Havarti and Pepper Jack, baby. Those are the best cheeses. Ooh, Let's combo. be real. Okay. Smoke Gouda. So, on December 30th, Jalapeno Monterey Jack. You guys voted for it. And, and here's the winner. So, this was between, it was either going to be Mortal Kombat the movie, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, or Air Bud. And can I get a drum roll? Even though it's probably already up on the screen. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Yahoo! Oh boy, I'm afraid of this one. But we'll be looking at Super Mario Brothers, the movie, December 30th. Ow, wow, wow, oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> oh man, I was so excited. <laughs> that was my pick. Uh, Keith was going with Mortal Kombat. Ryan for whatever reason, was going with Airbud, But thanks to all of you sexy beasts out there, as Chris Jericho would say, uh, thank you for everybody that voted on Twitter, a cast to the past. And whether you're uh, checking us out on YouTube, thank you. Don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button and comment with suggestions. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, hey, leave a review. Let us know uh, what you think about this. Don't be afraid to send us an email, a cast to the past at gmail.com. Uh, we have a couple of things lined up ahead because uh, we we talked about the uh, reveal for the uh, movie that we're going to be closing off the year. But Ryan, what's the uh, first video game we'll be covering in 2019? So, so excited. The, the first video game of 2019, we're going to be looking at PS1's wait, Resident Evil Wait, 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 wait Ryan, you got to do the voice. You got to do the voice. Yeah, come on. Put your heart in it. Come what on. voice? <clears throat> Go down here. I'm Piccolo Resident now. I don't know why, but evil. see, I didn't play it. I didn't play oh, this game, oh so I didn't Oof. know the voice. Oof. All right, Resident Evil, to Evil Two. That's gonna be uh, January thirteenth. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, it's gonna be a good week because it's gonna be that, 
and then play the RE2 remake. Yeah, a couple Coincidence weeks later, yeah. that they are happening right beside each other. So excited. One of my favorite games for the PS1 ever. I can't wait to make you guys play Leon A or Claire A. We'll figure that out later. But oh man, Resident Evil 2. Can't wait. Actually, that brings up a good question for everybody that was a big fan of RE2. Let us know. Because uh, I, I did play it, but holy crap. I mean, I haven't touched that game since I was a little, a little, a little Juan. So... Uh, which run should we do? And let us know what you guys think about it because your your thoughts, your opinions could possibly be showcased right here on the podcast. So don't be afraid to do that. With that being said, we've talked about Grand Theft Auto 3. We've talked about the upcoming episodes. This episode has come to a close. Don't forget to check out some of our previous ones, including A Link to the Past. We've been talking about WrestleMania 14, The Matrix, Keith's Top 3. Favorite things of 2018. My top three favorite things of 2018. And stay tuned for Ryan right here on a cast to the past. So uh, thank you for watching. A little better. We'll we'll get there eventually. We're we're almost getting there. I feel the enthusiasm is getting to the same level. It's just we need fluidity to it. We we need the rhythm. And I think Ryan Mm. right there is. I think we're going to have to swap you, Keith. Okay, let's do this. Juan, Keith, Ryan. A cast to the past oh (laughs) thanks for watching and listening everybody so friends that right there was our gta3 remix review hopefully you enjoyed it we we sometimes want to do things a little bit different because the whole purpose of the podcast and you know we've talked about this before is we love playing older things now in giving our responses, but something that we'll probably do eventually is remix editions of Silent Hill 1 and 2, because as we play the other ones, especially in my case, that I never really played them, right? It's like, do I appreciate the first one more? Do I appreciate the second one more or less as I play the other games? And maybe sometimes you go to something like Grand Theft Auto 3 and kind of going on with my previous point where as historical of a game as it is, I think it's something that you check out a review or a retrospective of the game. And if you didn't play back then, it's like, hey, you know what? That's fine. That's actually fine. I think there are some key things that definitely make this game still worth playing. Primarily the soundtrack, uh, the driving, and the cutscenes. They're not the best, right? I think uh, I think the cutscenes got a lot better in Vice City. But there's some entertainment to be had there. But ultimately, the in-between, like the missions and all that, they kept getting better in every game to the point that this one is like, well, if you want the historical piece, then sure, go back and maybe play it or maybe check out the PC version. So I guess that's maybe my my overall closing thoughts, right? If, if you want to play GTA 3 now, maybe check out the PC version or maybe even on your phone because they're so different. And I think people are a lot more forgiving about games on phones or something. GTA 3 even though it's an open world game, it's not a world that's open to you. As weird as it sounds, I think you kind of get my point. There's not a lot to do, but you can technically move around. Vice City, you could buy locations. You could go back and forth. You have a reason to revisit locations, giving it that life, right? San Andreas, I mean, San Andreas, you can go work out. You can do so many things. Grand Theft Auto 4, I mean, I would love to talk about that game in the future. I don't love it too much. Maybe I maybe I would appreciate it more now. And I mean, with Grand Theft Auto 5 and GT Online, that is, that is a world in it of itself, right? So if you enjoyed this conversation, uh, please consider 
consider leaving a five-star review, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Consider subscribing to the YouTube channel where we have the original version of the uh, GTA 3 review. So if you want to go back and check that out, it is youtube.com slash acast to the past. If you want to become part of the conversation, we do have a discord over at acasttothepast.com slash discord. And you can send us an email to acasttothepast at gmail.com. We really do love putting out these episodes. Uh, there may be in the future one or two weeks where we do not publish an episode. Don't be afraid. Uh, we are not going to be going anywhere, but we want to just step back a little bit and really rethink the structure of the podcast as we think about what are some of our favorite episodes, least favorite episodes. So if you actually want to let us know, you can hit us up on Twitter, a cast of the past, or just, yeah, join the Discord and share that because we want to make sure this podcast has a couple of different purposes. One of them is to just as friends, right? We've known each other for over 14 years. We go back, play these games talk about them. Another purpose is be able to get that feedback from you. You listen to us talk about maybe some of your uh, favorite games or favorite movies. What do you think about that? But then the third piece is to really be able to inspire people to go back, whether it be one of our favorite games or something, the whole concept of, hey, these guys talked about something that I never experienced so I got to get myself a PS3. Hey, there are different methods you can experience games. But what matters is that we can have that chat. And yeah, just continue to have a great time. So up until next time, thank you for listening. And we will be back soon with another episode of A Cast to the Past. <laughs>